Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. It's Friday. It's the hobby hustle. You know what that means. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it with a guest that matters. I'm bringing it with a guest who likes what I like. We're talking about Peyton Manning. We're talking about wrestling cards. Maybe some other topics. I got my man, Drake, at Drake's underscore PC on the pod today. We have had so many conversations for such a long time that I said, hey, let's take this from the DMs. Let's come on the pod. Let's talk some shop. And that's what we're doing today. A lot of passion, collector's mindset. It's fun. I hope you enjoy this. If you're not signed up for the weekly rip, what are you doing? Link in my bio on IG. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everyone. What is up? Welcome back. I'm excited for this one. I am joined by Drake. You know him on Instagram at Drake's underscore PC. We have uh, traded a lot of messages uh, for some time. And I think part of that is we are both passionate collectors and we both collect similar things. So we're going to run the gamut. We're going to talk wrestling, wrestling cards. We're going to talk Peyton Manning, definitely. Um, And we're just going to talk overall collecting. But without further ado, Drake, how are you doing today? Right. I'm fantastic. Um, Thanks for having me on the podcast. You know, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. I appreciate all the work that you do. Um, I love all your Brettisms that, that I get look forward to each and every day. Um, love the podcast. I'm very honored to be on it. Uh, this is actually the first podcast that I've been on. So um, I'm very blessed, blessed, humbled, and I'm honored. So thank you. Yeah, no problem, though. I'm excited to have this conversation. I think maybe we start here. Um, things are, have moved so quickly in the hobby over the last, you know, 18 months or so. A lot has changed. There's just been, you know, on the business side, just we're seeing records selling uh, card prices regularly. Um, and then one thing, like, as I was prepping for this, I, I looked at your Instagram bio and you just said like 30 plus years of, you know, collecting cards and collectibles. And that is, uh, in in this world, that is, I'd consider you a veteran in a long time. So uh, uh, maybe like talk to me about just like collecting and what got you started and interested in just collecting in general. Like, where does that come from? Yep. So uh, just going way back, one of my first things I remember in terms of cards is my aunt collected as a kid, you know, which you kind of think about, there's been a big resurgence of females in the hobby, which is awesome. Right. Uh, but my aunt, um, really loved cards as a kid. And so I remember I was like five or six years old. And one year for Christmas, she gave me all her old cards and it, you know, it was from the sixties and seventies and things like that. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. But I had never really thought about cards or anything like that. I remember this is back in the late eighties around 1990. Um, and so then kind of fast forward after that, you know, I had those cards which are very sentimental and I've spoken before, you know, I, I still have those cards right now. I have all those cards. They're not valuable or anything, you know, from that standpoint, but uh, just kind of moving forward, you know, that, that was in the junk wax area where you could get cards everywhere. Sam's club had cards, all these 
card stores were popping up, you know, and your parents would take you if you got straight A's on your report card and things like that. And so you just started collecting cards and amassing cards and things like that. And that's where I started just collecting um, and keeping those cards, you know, and, and, and just even as a kid, you were never worried about the values and, you know, things like that. You're just like, this is cool. And you would trade cards with your buddies and, you know, it was mostly baseball and, and things of that nature, but just all through the nineties and stuff, that's kind of where I, I started collecting cards. Um, you know, it's mostly baseball and then transitioned to basketball and football and things like that. So that's where I got my start. So, um, yeah, you, so you, I think there's always those moments in time that get us kind of hooked in. Um, and so have you been, have you been like a collector throughout? Has there, most people have like, you know, we, we have, I've had a break because I X, Y, Z popped up in my life. Had, were there any breaks along the way for you or have you been consistent the entire way through? Yeah, so absolutely. There, there was a break like most people. So I, um, you know, graduated high school in 2001, went off to college at the University of Arkansas, Woopig. Um, and, <laughs> and when I was up there, there was actually a card shop there. But, you know, when you're in college, you're broke and you, you, know, you don't have all this disposable income. But I would still buy here and there. But I would mostly just go there and just look to see what he had. You know, it's kind of, you know, mesmerized by, you know, by cards still and things of that nature. But, you know, then you get busy with schoolwork and, and, and parties and girls and, you know, things like that. And, you know, your, your mind and, uh, you know, your limited resources get, get taken elsewhere. Right. Um, and so, uh, married my wife in 2007, but throughout that time, um, well, and once we got married, I was living in a little town in Arkansas called Mountain Home. Um, and it's as small as it sounds. Um, they had a Walmart and that was about it. Um, so there were no card shops there. Um, and then moved down to Fort Smith, Arkansas. Um, there's actually no card shops here. Uh, and that's where I live now. I've been here since 2008. So you're kind of resigned to, you know, Walmart and Target. Um, and so I re didn't really collect throughout that time. Uh, but I will say over those years, I bought a LeBron SB Authentic rookie card, you know, signed rookie card. Just bought it just because I thought, oh, you know, I really want a LeBron autograph. I bought a Kobe Bryant Pop Strum rookie card. I just wanted one of those. I got a 1986 Fleer Michael Jordan just because I wanted it. I wasn't like, oh, let me amass all these cards and they're going to be valuable some way and th someday things like that. I, they were just cards I remembered seeing growing up, but, you know, I couldn't afford at the time. And so I wanted to just buy those just to have them. And then from time to time, I would go into Walmart or Target or something. And they would actually, that was back when you could actually find cards at a Walmart or a Target. And I would just snag a box and just open them up and just kind of save them and not really think much about it. You know, I wasn't going in thinking, you know, I'm going to scoop up all these boxes. And one day these cards are going to be worth a lot of money. It was more just kind of dabbling here and there. Yeah. Um, so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And so uh, back about, gosh, the end of, 2019. Um, well, I'll take that back. About 2018, I'd gotten real big into like memorabilia collecting. And I just liked memorabilia, game use stuff, uh, wrestling war and all that kind of stuff. But it was starting to take up a lot of space. Um, and so my wife was getting on to me. And so I kind of was like, well, you know, and then my son was getting old enough and he found my cards and was interested in the cards. And so I said, well, let's break those cards back out. And we started looking at them and, um, you know, and, and, um, Long story short, you know, I, I kind of shifted from memorabilia to cards and I've been in it ever since. That This is a story I can certainly relate with. Um, I, 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 I've got a room dedicated upstairs to memorabilia, wrestling, mostly wrestling stuff. It also serves as my hobby room. 
and definitely all, when all the packages arrive and week over week, my wife is like, there's all this stuff, like this is taking up so much room. Now that we've got, I, I had prepared myself because I knew like, you know, a couple of years ago, we'd been trying for a kid and I was like, all right, well, I, I know when the kid arrives, we're going to have to make some changes. And then, so my mentality was like, I can't not collect because collecting is just a part of my DNA and it satisfies me and it, it interests me as I think it does the same for you. So I was trying to think of like, what are, what is something that I can kind of still get the same itch from and not take up so much space. And then I think you and I landed in the same position. It's like, all right, well, cards is one of those things. And then, so then I think my personal case, when I went all in on cards, it opened the door to so many other avenues of just, you know, what types of things to collect people to meet communities to be a part of. So how, when you kind of transition from like, Oh, I'm going to, cl- by the way, like congratulations on like picking, having some good instinct and grabbing some cards <laughs> that you thought were significant at the time. And of course are today, but like, once you went on all in with cards, is that when you started like trying to amass yourself in like the communities and learn, you know, everything about that there is to know of, like different sets, parallels, and that sort of thing? Yeah, so uh, at first it was kind of a slow process. So when I got back in, um, probably wrongly, right, I kind of look at it now, and there's so many things that I would have done differently a year and a half ago, you know, if I was starting today. Uh, But when I got back in, I remember going to Google, and I typed in best sports cards to buy right now. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, without naming the name of a place, I don't want to, you know, shout anybody out or anything like that, you know, but, but I went to this website and they had a list of like best sports cards to buy right now. And so I started looking and, um, you know, my son was, uh, since we live close to Dallas, my son's name is Luke. Uh, we watch, we get all the Mavs games. He likes Luca. So I started buying a bunch of Luca cards, not really knowing, Hey, you know, I, I knew of Luca, but I didn't know much about him that he, you know, supposedly the, the second coming. Right. Um, and then there were just a bunch of other cards, you know, going back to baseball, you know, like the 1989 Griffey upper deck. So I got one of those, um, you know, and there's just a laundry list of cards that I started buying. Um, and I didn't really understand, like, as far as blowout, I had no clue what blowout was, you know. Um, and then I just started getting onto YouTube. And for whatever reason, I was in that mindset of, like, best cards to buy right now. So I typed that in YouTube, right? And there were all these people that were talking about, you know, here's the cards that are going to increase in value. And, and I think I kind of lost my way a little bit. Because there initially, I was like, wow, you know, I can buy this card and it's going to go up in value. But I, I quickly found that 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 wasn't the right way, at least for me personally, to go because those cards weren't bringing me as much enjoyment as I liked. You know, I mean, I still have the Griffey just because from a nostalgia factor. But, you know, buying a, a, a you know, Jabberant Prism Base 10 or a Zion Williamson, like that just didn't that didn't appeal to me. Um, and so then I. I got further immersed into the hobby and I started finding, you know, the different accounts and things like that. But I still had from an Instagram perspective, I still just had my personal account. I didn't have a card account. Um, but I was encouraged by a few people because they had seen some of my cards and things like that. Of like, Drake, you know, you should really share your cards on a card account. Um, and I'm kind of a private person, kind of secure, you know, like, I don't really like it makes me nervous to share stuff because you, you know, you, when you put it out there, you kind of expose yourself a little bit. And, you know, with the way people can can find you now, it does make you a little bit nervous. But 
um, October of 2020, I think September, October, um, I finally created my Drake's PC account. Um, and I've been kind of posting ever since. And I've, you know, jumped in, jumped into the community. I found, I guess, the the right podcast, um, such as the Stacking Slabs podcast to listen to, you know, that really share about why we collect and, you know, and and find commonalities with people that collect like you do, instead of, um, you know, which cards should I buy right now because they're going to go up in price. Yeah. And I think we all go through that like evolution of people who get back into the hobby. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I actually, uh, I had a old fraternity brother reach out to me who was sending me pictures of, he's a, uh, 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 Illinois Illini super collector. And so he, we, he just had heard that I had a podcast and we just started trading messages. He was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and listen to like all of your shows. And I just was like, as he sent that, I was just like, man, like I really don't, I'm like scared for, to, for you to like, listen to what I was talking about like a year ago, because like, I've we've all like you evolved so much uh, since then in the year in the hobby. And I think that evolution and you nailed it is like, you know, buying stuff that you think are you're buying it because you think it'll increase in value. Um, And that's what people are talking about. And then there's like that. And then we realize like, yeah, this isn't really making me happy. Um, But then like the next level of the hobby that I found, and it sounds like you found is like, when you really start like kind of blocking out everything else and just being like, all right, I'm going to focus on like what brings me joy, what makes me happy and what I find nostalgic. And it seems that I haven't met a collector and maybe I'd love to get your perspective. It seems like whenever anyone goes this direction of just collecting like legitimately, like what is meaningful to them, people never have any regrets or never look back. It gets people more sucked into the hobby. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that's 100% correct. You know, you kind of go down your own lane, uh, which was tough for me at the beginning, right? It's hard when you go in and everybody's posting their Kobe and LeBron cards and, you know, one month they're, you know, 10,000 and then the next month they're 40,000. And you're like, you know, I really like Peyton Manning, but his cards haven't really done anything, right? And so, you know, I, 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 that was the way I was, I'll say, a year ago. Um, and, and it, it, it was tough because now, you know, obviously Peyton Manning has kind of caught fire a bit in the hobby. And I look at it now and I'm like, geez, you know, I, I really liked Peyton as a kid and I collected him as a kid. Um, you know, when I got back in, why was I so concerned about what everybody else liked um, instead of just collecting what I liked? Um, you know, but it's hard. It's hard to kind of go against the grain sometimes when everybody's like, you know, buy Kobe, buy LeBron, because you can retire on it, you know, buy Michael Jordan. Um, it's very hard to kind of push out that noise. But once you do push it out and you just kind of, you know, stay in your own lane and, you know, collect what you really like, um, you know, it really doesn't matter the values of it, um, you know, or kind of what it does down the road, things like that. Yeah. And so we, I guess now is a good time to talk about 18 uh, that I think when I got back into the hobby, you know, Peyton, obviously I've talked about it at nauseum, my favorite athlete of all time. And, you know, it, if I look back on it now, it's like, man, I, I, why didn't I just like buy Peyton Manning nonstop when I got back in? And I always question that. And I think it's learning and it's evolution. I did buy, uh, the, one of the first cards I bought was the, uh, just paper Bowman PSA 10 Peyton. I got it for pennies and like, I couldn't, I, I, it just blew my mind how modern quarterbacks and their cards were 
going for more more than that. And that should have been a signal at the time that I should have just bought a bunch of Peyton. And but I didn't. I bought had that card. And then as I kind of realized that buying what the market wants wasn't making me happy, um, the first person player I went back to was Peyton. And before kind of the explosion, I I bought a lot of Peyton cards that I still have today. Obviously, I wish I would have bought more. We always we always do, but uh, this, the satisfaction and joy that like a Peyton mail day brings to me of getting a Peyton Manning card because he was so significant. And now being on the other side where, wow, like the hobby's actually talking about Peyton now. So maybe like share, share with like some perspective on like why Peyton is significant to you and just, we'll get into some of your cards, but what it's been like collecting them. Yeah, so just kind of going back to Peyton. So uh, growing up, I grew up in the Memphis, Tennessee area, um, and the Tennessee Vols are very significant. Um, and just as a child, I wasn't extremely rebellious. Um, but one way that I was rebellious is my parents, um, you know, both were graduates of the University of Arkansas. Um, and, um, you know, I have a family history of folks that went to Arkansas. So my uncle played football for the Razorbacks in the early 70s and things like that. But I didn't like Arkansas as a kid. I wanted to root for everybody that played Arkansas. And so Tennessee was very significant. Uh, my mom uh, was a high school teacher and a lot of her friends were Tennessee fans. Um, and so at Christmas, they would get me Tennessee balls clothing <laughs> just to, just to kind of spite my mom, especially, you know, because they knew it just crawled all over her. Um, and so I'm running around, you know, in the orange and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it got to the point where I'm going to the games right in Knoxville and you know, we're, we're watching Peyton play. And I just loved watching him play in college. Uh, when they would play the Razorbacks, we would actually go over there to Little Rock. They played each other in Little Rock. Um, and so went to watch those games. And so that's kind of where my, my love and fandom of Peyton uh, started, you know, and then he got into the NFL and I, I still kind of followed his career um, throughout that. And, you know, I just really, I respect what he does. He's one of those guys you don't have to, you're not concerned with, you know, what's he going to say on social media um, you know, is he gonna, is he gonna do something that's going to land him in jail or, you know, he's just a real stand up guy. Um, and those are the kind of the people that, you know, I looked up to as a kid and I still look up to now. And so that's, that's kind of what started me on, on collecting him. Yeah. And so, uh, I agree with everything that you said there. And I guess, how did you feel at the time before the, the momentum started around Peyton and I don't know like I'm trying maybe you can help me out I'm trying to figure out what in the moment in time I remember like fall of last year is when I had some like significant Peyton buys like I don't know 12 to 15 cards of stuff that I I still have that I I only way I'd get rid of it is if I was consolidating down into a bigger Peyton piece but like I remember like it's hard to talk about like money and spending in the hobby and cards because like I can say, well, yeah, I was buying these cards for 500 bucks and it was like nothing. And it's like, well, yeah, $500 is a lot of money. But in the like big picture of the hobby, $500 for like a significant patent card doesn't seem like that much. I guess for you, there was a point last fall when it felt like I was stealing from the hobby because I was like seeing everything that was happening around me and I was getting so much joy. And it was like I was I was spending like nickels on the dollar for patent cards when did that moment turn from like, all right, it's like bargain bin shopping for Peyton. And then now it's like, now everyone's going after Peyton. Like what's your perspective on that timeline? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's probably like the late fall um, time frame, like you said. And then obviously in February, when everything went up, you know, significantly, um, you know, you kind of look back and, you know, just like as we all did when I got back in and started getting back into Peyton and all that, you know, what's the first thing you go to? You go to the base cars. And so, you know, you got the Bowman Chrome DSA 10 and the Topps Chrome. And it, it never really occurred to me like, wow, I should go looking for all these different parallels and, you know, these first year cards and, you know, significant cards from significant sets. Um, and so, you know, I think it just called fire, like you said, because there's a lot of players in the market that are tied to each other. Right. And so I think when, when Brady goes up, right. Then Peyton kind of follows him. And there's been that whole thing where, you know, between Luca and Trey young, they kind of follow each other, um, you know, just, just in the market. And so, once once Brady gets to be so expensive, people start looking and they're like, geez, you know, Peyton Manning is one tenth the price of a Tom Brady for the same card. You know, this doesn't make sense from just a, a market standpoint. And then you see that correct. Um, and I think it goes both ways, kind of kind of up and down. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the cards I think that you just picked up, which I, I would love to hear the story on this, because. I'm not sure I have it all pieced together, but just there's been a lot of chatter and you posted on this. But the I know that the the price separation from the 2012 Peyton Gold Prism and the Brady 2012 Gold Prism is pretty significant. And you you it, 2012, if people don't realize 2012 for football is the first year of Prism, too. So it's Peyton's first year in Broncos uniform. Drake is the lucky owner of the gold version, along with several others from that year. But that that's one card I know that stands out. If you want to look at like the 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 price separation between Peyton and Brady, that's that is pretty significant. But that card's an awesome card. Any Peyton collector would love to have that card. You own one, so maybe talk about the story about acquiring that card. Yeah, so I've actually only shared the story with with a few people, so I've been excited <laughs> to, to to share this. So. You know, so I, so we've all known that gold prism is significant, like you mentioned. Um, and I've got a friend that I've met on Instagram. His name is uh, Michael DiMartino. Um, his, his IG name is Mikey.SportsCards. And he knows I love Peyton. And this guy, so he's in college. He plays baseball in college. But he scours the internet constantly. And, and in the morning, I'll wake up. And it's like he, the guy never sleeps. And he's sending me all these eBay listings of like this Peyton card and that Peyton card. You know, he loves Brady. He's a huge Russell Wilson collector. So if anybody has any Russell Wilson, let him know. But one morning uh, I'm sitting there, I remember a Saturday morning or something like that. And he sends it to me and it popped up. Um, it was a, it was an eBay buy it now. Um, and it was for $1,599, $1,599. And he goes, he goes, you've got to get this right now. And I looked at it and I was like, is this a joke? Right. Um, I was just blown away. And so I just hit buy it now. I paid immediately. So there was no chance. And then I'm, I'm, I'm sweating. Like, you know, am I like, am I going to get this card? Is this thing going to show up? Um, and so then that afternoon, just like I said, I, I, you know, never really got big into blowout or anything like that, but I do look at it just from time to time, just to see what people are talking about. And I pull up blowout the next day. And one of the, the subjects was like, you know, 2012 Peyton Manning gold prism. Right. And so I just click on it and people were just like going ape shit over <laughs> just over the buy and how somebody got screwed and that the buyer needs to, you know, like, like should notify the seller that, you know, they got screwed and, you know, should, 
you know, like, like what should happen out of this or whatever. And I'm just sitting there and I'm staying silent. And so then finally the card arrives and I just go in there and I'm like, Hey, that was me, you know, and da, da, da. and people were still just going nuts over it, you know, like, like that. And then, you know, then I've had people come to me and say, Hey, you know, that was the, the steal of 2021, um, things like that. And, you know, there's been people that have also come and offered me significant money for it, but really for me, I mean, I, I love the value of cards and obviously we never want to see the value of cards go down or anything like that, but that's just a card that I have and I love, and I'm not, you know, like I didn't buy it to make money off of it. I just bought it because I love the card. I love its historical significance, um, you know, and its place in the hobby. And, and obviously, it, you know, it's a Manning. So, um, you know, it's not anything I intend to sell anytime soon. So I, I will say incredible story. Do you know how long it was up live for? It had to have been like minutes, to be honest. Oh um, yeah. It, especially because of all the Peyton collectors and myself included who have that in that card in their saved searches. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, yep. so, so what makes me kind of feel a little better about that is the fact that, um, is the fact that, uh, I, there, there was a time where I was strongly considering paying maybe that. And then some just, just for the silver. <laughs> so the fact that the the gold went for probably less than what the silver uh would have kind of that gives me peace of mind but that's the i think the moral of the story there is no network have people have people who know what you like because that was an assist from one of your connections and that's a lesson learned for everybody yeah oh for sure and and, and it's funny you mentioned the silver because i actually i had bought the silver i think the week before and i did pay more for the silver than i did the gold <laughs> but it's one of those things where it kind of sends you down a little bit of a rabbit hole and i think that's what's fun but it's also challenging in the card hobby too because there's so many different avenues you can chase and you know um so like you know once i got into 2012 prism i'm like well, what's all the parallels and so i had the silver and gold so i said well let's let's see if we can complete this thing so then i I saw one of the green prisms pop up in an auction and it was a PSA nine. And I thought, okay, well, let's go look at this and see what it does. Um, well, I realized that the PSA nine was the highest graded version of the 2012 prism green. So I, I was able to snag that one uh, right there in an auction. And then um, the red prism die cut uh, was another one of the parallels from 2012. And uh, there was a seller that we had, a, it took a little bit of negotiating I'll say. And, uh, but I was able to finally snag that one. And, uh, I should have it should have it tomorrow. So I look forward to sharing that as well. Um, I don't know that I'll ever get the, the black finite one of one. I think that uh, Spinatron has that Spinatron. Um, I don't think I'll ever be able to pry that away from his hands. Oh, I didn't, re- I, I didn't realize Spinatron had that. Yeah. Of, yeah, co- of course he does. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. From what I understand he does. So I'll just be happy with the, the gold, the silver, the green and the red. So. It's a it's a lot more than most Peyton collectors have. That's an incredible story, and I'm glad you shared it. Um, okay, so moving off of Peyton, let's talk about wrestling because it's a, I, know, I know it's a topic near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, I think before I get into the cards, I just want I, it always I think is helpful to just set the stage and paint the picture for why wrestling is significant and why it it matters to you and why you collect it. I think I have found the more I express like why wrestling is important in my life, the more people who don't necessarily watch wrestling get it and understand. And like, 
the easiest parallel I can draw with hobby activity is, you know, Pokemon, what everyone's talking about. People like Pokemon because of nostalgia, and it's something that they collected at that certain point in time, and so they go back to it. To me, very similar story, but with wrestling. Nostalgia, watched it as a kid, never really left. And so that's why I like it and, and it, why it means something to me. So maybe like share like first wrestling. I know you're a big uh, wrestling fan. Like where does it come from? Um, how long have you, have you had the, uh, the wrestling bug? All right. It's a great, great time to talk about wrestling. And I could talk about this all afternoon. So hope we, <laughs> hope we have some time. Um, so, yeah. So once again, just kind of growing up in Memphis, right? It's a huge wrestling hotbed. You know, you can't mention Memphis and wrestling without Jerry the King Waller. Um, and so my dad grew up in the Memphis area um, and his dad always used to take him to wrestling shows as a kid. Um, and so, you know, some some fathers bond with their son over, you know, they go fishing together, hunting together, things like that. But my dad took me to wrestling shows at the Mid-South Coliseum. Um, and so that's kind of how we bonded growing up. And so every Monday night, just about, we were down at the Mid-South Coliseum and that was, you know, our father-son time, you know, watching wrestling. Um, and then sometimes Saturday mornings down at Channel 5 Studios, they would take, you know, the Saturday morning TV show. And so, gosh, as early as I can remember, probably five, six years old, I've been going to wrestling shows. And it was all through the, the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, you know, until I went to college. Um, and then I would even come back and I would come home, you know, for wrestling and, um, you know, would, would go to like Clash of the Legends shows and they would bring all these folks out and have some reunion shows and um, things like that. And so just like you mentioned, the nostalgia is huge. And it's just what I remember and it's what I associate with growing up and just all those memories and seeing all of those, uh, I guess we'll call them superstars now before they were superstars, you know, because like I remember going and seeing The Rock wrestle in like used car dealerships, um, you know, and flea markets. And he's talked about that. And, you know, there's so many guys that came in and then left and moved on and moved up. Um, you know, you never really knew who was going to be significant. You know, like I, I remember Jeff Jarrett being there and, and Brian Christopher. And, you know, they were the big draws just because, you know, you knew that Brian Christopher is Jerry Lawler's son. And obviously Jeff Jarrett related to Jerry Jarrett. And so those were always the main event guys. Um, and so you knew those guys were big, but kind of lower on the card. Um, you know, you never really gave, you never really thought twice about a guy named like Mark Calloway, um, who later became the undertaker. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what got me into wrestling. And I, you know, I still watch it to this day, um, here 38 years later. <laughs> it's it's a little chilly, so I got a sweatshirt on right now. But I've got a uh, a mean Mark Calloway shirt on underneath this. <laughs> I have to show you once we're done recording. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think the the thing to call out there is the significance about like you've got the story with your dad and that like sentimental connection. And there are a lot of people with similar stories. And like wrestling isn't just the U.S. thing; it's an international thing, and it's global and it's not just the wwe although the wwe is the kind of steer, steers the ship um but i think just to just to get everyone to understand and realize that like wrestling is kind of like a subgenre of the hobby but i think the more people get connected and understand that they can buy pieces that remind them of their childhood the more it's going to increase and grow and the more these cards 
are going to go up in value. I it just in the last 18 months or so, I have noticed a, just a tremendous amount of momentum around wrestling cards. Um, maybe just like, what's your perspective on just like the wrestling card market? Like, are you feeling that momentum? Do you feel the energy and excitement that I'm, I'm seeing every day? Yeah, I think so. You know, and just to, just kind of to go back, you know, I, about 18 months ago, getting back in, I had no clue wrestling cards even existed. Um, I don't know if just, and I'm trying to think back, I don't know if as a kid, I just ignored it or, you know, they didn't, when you went into hobby stores, they never had, you know, wrestling cards in boxes or else I probably would have bought a ton of them. Um, you know, but just getting back in and, and like I said, you know, collected memorabilia. And so I've got, you know, wrestling boots and photos and championship belts and all that kind of stuff. I have, I have all that kind of stuff. I was just, I don't know if I just ignored wrestling cards or what. Um, and then I think David Peck was the first one who I first heard wrestling, mentioned wrestling cards getting back in. And so I started, I started looking at them. Um, but then like everything, uh, you know, you look at it and they were really cheap, you know, besides David and a couple others, Robbie England, nobody was talking about wrestling cards. And so I was in that phase of like, you know, everybody's talking about these other people. So why would I buy wrestling cards? You know, um, mm. but now, you know, and then, then it finally caught fire and everything increased, you know, two to three X. And so I'm like, Oh, let's buy it now. Right. <laughs> um, which, which seems kind of like the wrong thing to do, but um, you know, that's where we're at. But, uh, but I think when you look at it, um, I think the wrestling card market is strong, but I also think there's a lot of people like me who are longtime wrestling fans or maybe newer wrestling fans who maybe don't really know that wrestling cards even exist because like you said, you, you know, you may not be able to find them at your local card shop. And, you know, unless you're really active on social media, you know, you don't know about these new card drops and, and things like that. And so I think, I think the more that, that people like you and like David, and Rob, Rob England, and, you know, Zan Morning, and, and, and I'm sure I'm leaving out some folks can, can really bring, I guess, like knowledge of wrestling cards. I think that's only going to help the market because I think, People just need to understand and learn how there's so many intricacies in wrestling cards. Um, and, you know, just really that they're out there. Cause like I said, a year and a half ago, I didn't even know they existed. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I, I've gotten the question. I think I've gotten the question from people before saying like, where are all the wrestling card collectors? And I think my response is they're coming. I, I my, I, so I have been in, degenerate wrestling collector circles for since the internet started. And the one thing I can tell you about wrestling fans, wrestling fans will spend money and they will spend money on wrestling items. Like Drake, you're a testament of that. So I think there's just been this lack of awareness where maybe a good place to start would be, okay. So you look at the height of wrestling, the height of wrestling, we can all say based on ratings, eyeballs, it was the attitude era. So, well, the WWE or WWF at the time was merchandising and they had their name on everything. The one thing that they didn't necessarily look at were cards, right? It was coming off and the junk wax era. And I don't know if it was a, we don't want to associate ourselves with that. Yes, there are wrestling cards from that era. We can talk about that. But I think just there, there are people who were there were buying shirts. They were buying eight by tens. They were buying figures. They were buying other things. They weren't buying wrestling cards. So I think, it's it, as the I try to make sense of it and understand it. There are people who collected wrestling cards that this whole time, but there's not that many. So 
I, I think what you touched on the education component is, is, is a big piece because I, like for me, for instance, I've been a collector of wrestling stuff forever, but I haven't collected wrestling cards up until recently. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And it's like you said, I mean, I think everybody at some point had a, had a shirt, you know, they bought it at a live event for probably 40 bucks. You know, the shirt costs $2 to make and, you know, that's where the wrestling companies make their money is on the merchandise. You know, I think we all had the wrestling action figures like the Hasbro. I've got a huge tub um, here at the house of all my Hasbro figures. Right. And so, you know, it's neat to see people talk about figures. And, you know, um, I'm amazed at people that kept them in like pristine condition or wrapped them up because I remember getting them for birthday presents. And I just wanted to yank them out of the package and start playing with them um, as much as possible. Um so, yeah, I, I just think it's interesting how, you know, the signed belts and the signed memorabilia and programs and photos uh, and the action figures and things like that have long been around. And people collected those and played with them as a kid, um, display them on their walls. But I think now just wrestling cards are really starting to come into their own. Um, so, you know, I think the joke in the hobby about is, you know, what inning are we in the hobby? I think we're in the, the first inning of wrestling cards. Um, <laughs> just uh, Yeah. Totally. And it's a, um, I, there's not a more passionate group of people. I can tell you that, like, I can literally go to Twitter and just say like, not even use hashtags, not even use anything, but just present something to do with wrestling cards. And I'll put my phone down and I'll look at my phone like an hour later. And there will be people who have started threads within my thread about wrestling cards, which is, which is awesome. I think there's a ton of passion there. I want to talk to you about like, cards and cards of significance. And I think it's been interesting because I, I, I agree. Like I think the Rob Englands and the David Pecks are the guys who have are responsible for like showing off their collection, bringing awareness to wrestling cards, probably more than anybody else, just because they've been doing it for so long. And so they've got cards in like that they like and that they collect and that they get graded. Um, and so I'm not necessarily saying what they're putting out there sets the market. Um, I think it certainly helps. But then you've got instances like a card we're talking about back to the Attitude Era with the 97 Cardinal Trivia set where you've got this, you know, Rocky Maivia card where people are, you know, considering it the the rookie card of the the Rock. Um, And then you take a step back and then all of a sudden there's like four or five rookie cards of the Rock. and so I, I just find it interesting because this card kind of took off because it was in a trivia set and I'm not really sure. It doesn't have a rookie card shield on it, like normal sports cards that we're used to. Um, I'm just, I'm in the mode right now where I'm starting to question and starting to figure out like the why behind why some of the cards are priced the way they, they, they are. Um, have you thought at all about just like, rookie cards and what is considered what and what, why certain cards take off the way they do um, as you've been kind of in the game making buys? Yeah. Yeah. I think the rookie card for wrestling is probably the, the most unique thing that I've, I've been learning and trying to understand. You know, I've listened to some, some other wrestling podcasts and they'll ask, you know, like what's Stone Cold Steve Austin's rookie card. And I think everybody has a different opinion, um, right. As far as the, is it the WCW one? You know, is it WWF? Because that was the first time he was called Stone Cold Steve Austin. And so I think it just it just really depends on what you like. You know, some people like the first card that was created. Um, I think me personally, it's 
it's more the first card that has significance to me of that of that performer, right? So like, you know, going back to, to, to The Rock, so Dwayne Johnson, the Bumblebee card, the story behind that is great. I know it's low population, things like that. But Dwayne Johnson, to me, as a football player at the University of Miami, doesn't do anything for me, right? Because um, I knew him as Rocky Maivia. I knew him as The Rock. And so for my personal collection, I want cards of Rocky Maivia or The Rock. And so whether it's a, a rookie card or whatever you want to call it, you know, I just really enjoy cool looking cards. You know, and I think that's why you go back to like the 19, 1982 wrestling all-stars set, you know, Hulk Hogan. And that's kind of become the iconic wrestling set. And I think for good reason. But even so, there's, you know, you just look at Hulk Hogan or even Andre the Giant. There were other cards that, that you know, possibly predate that 1982 set. So if it is it that their first card is their rookie or is it the one that, you know, gets the most mainstream attention becomes their rookie card. So I think it's 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 a big debate. Yeah, it is a big debate. And I think I like what you said because this is the way I have been, it hasn't started off this way, but as I've been thinking about uh, building out my PC, it's, I don't like, I don't know. Anyone who listens to this show knows that like, I'm not like, I don't, I try not to promote the mainstream and usually what everyone likes is what I don't like. And that's not by design. It's just usually like tastes are different than the, the, the mass, the masses. And I, and so I think as I think about wrestling cards, and making purchases is like, I want cards that not what the market says is the rookie card, but cards that, like you said, I, take me to that moment, take me to those memories. I um, mean, the one that I traded back to you on was just the, the 98 comic images, the rock card. And like, I'm not here to rain on anybody's day. Who's got the 97 Cardinal. Like, I know that's the card that people, most people view as the rookie card right now, but like, back the comic images card to me is like the rock character, the people's champ with the road dog on his shoulders, Monday night raw. Like that's what I remember him by. That's what it gets me excited. Like the Rocky Maivia character, like people were chanting Rocky sucks and he got booed out of the building and during survivor series. And he was a white meat baby face that no one really liked or cared about. So it's, it's back to like the WCW card with stunning Steve Austin. It's like, like, did anyone really give a shit about stunning Steve Austin? Like, so, so it's like, I, I tend in my collecting to want to not associate my buys necessarily with what everyone else is saying, but just like, for me, like, what are the most sentimental moments that I have of these, these, uh, these performers and go out and buy those. And then for me, it'll make me happy. And then I guess from a value perspective, I hope that others along the way feel the same way. So the card price increases at some point. Yeah, no, I think so, like 100%. You know, you talked about the 98 Rock, right, with the comic images, the, the road dog. And, you know, you look at it, and that's his first signed card. Um, and when you go out and just look at, if you look for Rock autographs or Dwayne the Rock Johnson autographs, they're just not out there, right? And so, you know, when you look at him and his significance in wrestling history and what he's come on to do in Hollywood, um, you know, Maybe he runs for president someday. Who knows? Um, I think <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. But, um, but you know, his autograph to me, on a car, it just seems real cheap for you know the 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 play, the notoriety that he has not only has wrestling in wrestling but in Hollywood as well too. So um, I think that's something to look at as well. And you know, you talk about cards. That's I think a lot of times a true rookie card has to be pack pulled. 
And so the fact that the trivia card, uh, which I do have a rock trivia card, 97 Cardinal, but, you know, it came in a game. Um, it wasn't pulled out of a pack unless you want to talk about a sealed, you know, plastic wrap as a pack, right? Um, but I think to be a true rookie card, um, just, just my opinion, it's got to come, it's got to come from a pack. I, yeah. I, it, again, like it's all up for debate and there's no hard and fast rules. I, I guess what do you, one thing that I'm very mindful of right now is that, and I know not everyone feels this way, but I watch the current product. I, I get excited when new product drops, um, because they look great. Like tops Chrome from WWE tops Chrome this year. It was a fantastic card. Like I felt like I was stealing something from the hobby because I was able to buy three hobby boxes for like less than 200, like less than 200 bucks a piece. And I'd sit there and I'd rip them open and have a blast. And it reminded me of a kid. And I was opening up a product of a cool card and a genre of the hobby that I really loved. And so when I'm opening these cards and I'm looking at the parallels and I'm looking at the autographs and like those cards are stamped rookie. Um, I'm like, man, like no one talks about modern wrestling product. And I know it's people say, because there's, there's not big stars. Well, I'd probably argue that Roman Reigns is a big star and he's going to be a massive star. He's, I mean, this guy's unbelievable if anyone watches, but I, I tend to be like, there has got to be some momentum on modern wrestling cards. It might not be for the current performers, but for maybe some legends that they put in there, like rock and stone cold and stuff like that. Like I, I, I tend to like go left when people go right. And not a lot of people who are in, like investing or trying to make money in wrestling cards talk about modern, but I'd love to get your perspective on like, how you see modern wrestling and like, are you buying anything? Like, what are your thoughts around it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I like modern wrestling. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't bought any modern wrestling, I guess, boxes like you have. Um, but I've been a big fan of the tops transcendent product and I've got some autographs. I started looking, you know, like a stone cold Steve Austin. I didn't, you know, didn't have anything signed of his, uh, Vince McMahon, you know, what is he like the Walt Disney of wrestling and same thing with the rock, you know, Vince doesn't sign much. Um, and so that's a lot of like the modern stuff. Um, but then, I, you know, I picked up a, a rock tops chrome uh, gold refractor. Right. And so that that to me is kind of cool. I really like the new product that's coming out. I know there's a lot that's dropping this year and I'm waiting to kind of get into it and jump. But but the one thing I wonder about a little bit, um, and it's just just my opinion, and, you know, we'll kind of link together Peyton Manning and wrestling cards. So, you know, when Peyton retired in 2015, uh, you know, after that, Panini is still making Peyton cards. but you know, a lot of them are cool cards, but it just doesn't appeal to me because it's not during his playing years. That's just kind of me personally. And so I think some of these wrestlers where, you know, once they've hung up the boots um, and again, for wrestling, it's relative because, you know, a lot of times these guys come back, keep wrestling, you know, do, do you want a card of a performer after they retired from the sport? Um, and so I think that may be giving some people a little bit of a pause to, you know, do I really want this card in my collection? Versus, you know, you like watching the current performers. Um, and, you know, just as you mentioned, the, the product today is, is is good. It's not as good as what we grew up on, you know, in the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars um, and things like that. But I think, you know, the, the, the WWE kind of makes their own stars, but they're not allowing their stars now to get bigger than the company. And I think that's what was happening in the late 90s and possibly like the early 2000s. 
Um, and they pulled the reins on that brings back on that. And I think that's probably affecting the hobby a little bit. Kind of those two things um, is just the really lack of, you know, yeah, this person's a big star right now, but are they going to be a bigger star, you know, six months from now or a year from now, or are they going to, you know, get cut and, uh, you know, not be around any longer. You just don't know. Yeah, no doubt. No, I think that's definitely fair perspective. Um, maybe as we close out, just, I'd love to get just, I think I've heard some data. I don't have it with me. I should have came prepared, but like a lot of uh, some people have told me that like wrestling cards based on growth over the past year are one of the, like, you know, put it next to like soccer cards in that like segment is like cards that have grown at a rate quicker than most others in the hobby. I think that excites me just because I'd love to spend like more of my energy and I'm actually doing that right now, um, buying and, selling wrestling cards. And I, I think it's, it's just funny. It's, it's, it is exciting to me, no matter if it's vintage or modern, what, it, what is your perspective of kind of what happens this next year with, with the wrestling card market? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it continues to grow. Um, you know, as fans get back into it, um, you know, coming back to the, the events um, and things like that, you know, and, and, and hopefully we get some folks, come back. Like I know John Cena posted the logo on his Instagram. I think he wraps filming up soon. So hopefully that means we might get a John Cena return and people get excited about that. You know, everybody likes, again, the nostalgia factor. And so anytime the rock comes back or, you know, John Cena comes back or triple H throws on the tights or whatever. Um, you know, I think we see a resurgence, um, you know, and also too, they've been doing the, the most wanted treasure show on a and E on Sunday nights and the biography of some of these guys. Um, and it's interesting because it seems like after the show airs, I will get messages on Instagram of cards I've posted asking if they're for sale, right? So, you know, Macho Man Auto, uh, you know, something Booker T, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Jerry the King Waller, um, just kind of things like that. So I think people are starting to mix the two. And I think the more mainstream attention that comes to that, um, you know, I think that what uh, Hulk Hogan's got some kind of documentary coming out later this year, that'll, you know, hopefully bring more interest into it um, and things of that nature. So I think, I think as, as the sh things start to open back up, people start going back to shows, uh, you know, more people get more educated and knowledgeable about wrestling cards in the market and things like that. I think we, we continue to see that growth. I love it. I think that's great perspective. Everyone, you can follow him at Drake's underscore PC. There's a lot more we could talk about. I know that. So I'll have to get you back on here to talk more wrestling and Peyton Manning, two of my favorite topics that I can do uh, talk about every day. Thanks so much for your time, Drake. Absolutely, bro. I'd love to come back on and uh, thank you very much. I could talk about The Rock and Peyton Manning and all of the rest of the stuff we covered till I'm blue in the face. It's passion, baby. Thank you so much, Drake. For coming on the pod, go follow him at Drake's underscore PC. Hit that subscribe button if you're not already. What are you doing? Leave me a review. Tell me how I'm doing. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And I'll be back next week with more Stacking Slab Podcast.